0: Rich Cooper is the founder and director of Lead USA in Connecticut. He does what many coaches would love to do. He takes his dynamic coaching methods into corporations and leads unique team-building programs for their employees. We discover how he does that on today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Rich Cooper, welcome to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Good to see you. Hey, good to see you too. How are things over there in Connecticut?
1: Oh, good. We're getting along. You know, we're playing by the rules. We're keeping our masks on and uh, I'm due for a shot next Saturday. All right. So uh, I think there is uh, the light at the end of the tunnel is a needle. (laughs) A little pinprick.
0: Excellent. Well, it's good to see you. And um, I'm very excited to have you here because we've talked some... Well, friends, you and I have been knowing each other for a long time through the Anthony Robbins connection. You used to be his head of security, if I remember correctly. Is that correct? That's
1: how I started there, yeah. Head of security. Because of, because of my tremendous physical dominance. Oh, that's, that's what, what
0: uh, yes. As soon as one sees you, you go like, oh, my God, is 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 that Arnold Schwarzenegger? Who is that monster of a man?
1: They say, oh, that Tony's in trouble. That's what <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: he can't afford much security can he poor Tony. um but how did that come to pass how did you become because you you don't really you, you're not like a member of the special forces or anything like that did
1: you know i have my uh techniques i don't want to disclose them all <laughs> but uh i i started off with like a lot of people um as a i went to a program fought fought it really revolutionized the way I looked at life and, and looked at myself and my potential and being able to bring that potential forward. And so I wanted to contribute to Tony in some way. And how could I do that, right? He was a multimillionaire back then. So I thought if I volunteered and staffed one of his events, at least I could help other people have that same process that I went through. And it would be my way to kind of give back to a guy who I think who at the time I felt really put the reins of my life in my hands. Right. I now had some tools in which I can navigate my life instead of just ricocheting off of events in my life. So I went and I staffed an event and that must've been 1990. And, um, and the other part of it was, I was still a little skeptical. I wanted, uh, are people really this happy? You know, are people really this dynamic and motivated and, And so it gave me a chance to look behind the operations of it and get to know the people from Robbins Research International. And I was nothing but impressed by the the quality of the people. And some of those most cherished relationships that I had in those early days are still friends today. And uh, and you came along pretty soon after that. Um, Just the quality of people was impressive. And so I thought that's a community that I want to be involved in. So I would volunteer. I volunteered, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen times. And uh, it just so happened that they needed somebody to to escort Tony around. And I guess they saw my initiative, my commitment to the cause or whatever. And they tapped me to do that. I don't know if you remember uh, Deb Heinz and sure. the, yeah. the slocum at the time. And now or are And she, uh, they said, oh, we got the right guy. It's rich. So I did it. And apparently I did it well. And the next event, that was my job again. The next event, that was my job again. And then I couldn't do an event in Chicago or wherever it was because it was I was still running a business on my own. Yeah, and being a volunteer here, and at that time you're paying for your own flights and paying for your own accommodations and everything. And they said, uh, I said I can't, I can't do it. So I wrote to Mary Glorfield at the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know a, a page or two description of all that I learned in the multiple times I did that for. Anthony Robbins getting him around he would need certain things I had to make sure I had him available to him and that she said this is the best job description I ever had I'll hire you to do that so I basically created my own job that hadn't existed before there's usually somebody from corporate doing it Mm -hmm. and so uh, then I was an outside contractor and I did that through the 90s up until Ah, 1998-99 so I went from doing security and the logistics of all of that. And it was really about being in that, in the buffer zone between all the love from the community. Right. And so it was less of a security thing, but there were, there were certain things to be concerned about and then, uh, and just getting into where you needed to go. And so I did that. And then I decided if I really want to contribute, I wanted to be a trainer. So then I switched uh, my role and I ran teams in these different events, date with destiny, for example, and uh life mastery and I was a uh became a master trainer then with him before I left in about nineteen late nineteen ninety eight something like that All right. so that's my trajectory in the history there and along the way, I met great people like yourself,
0: yeah no it's really it's really amazing to see you again i mean we've known each other obviously a long time um and that trajectory was was a really cool one i i started myself with tony a little earlier than that Uh, 85 was my first training with him but like you i was like i wanted to learn more and give back if i could at the same time um became a trainer early on and a master trainer whatever that meant exactly um in like 87 or something like that and um it's been really cool to see how you've come f- up to being like a, a real leader. In fact, your your website is lead usacom usa dot com, isn't it? Is that, did I get that right?
1: It is correct. Yeah.
0: Is it lead dash or lead underscore
1: dot? Yeah. No, that hyphen. Yeah, lead dash usa, and lead is an acronym for Leadership Empowerment Achievement Dynamics. Right. And so I thought that's a for me that kind of fit fit it, and then uh, I started my business. 25 years ago next month. Wow. And uh, I got a lot of phone calls about lead abatement. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, it oh. seems good. I should have market tested that a little bit better before <laughs> put that out there. Uh, I haven't solved anybody's lead issues, but uh, hopefully I've helped people develop their leadership and teams.
0: <laughs> well, you should side, start a side business. You might have something going there. Hey, um, I wanted to talk to you about coaching. Now I know that you don't have a coaching business per se, but you clearly, you know, learned all the same sorts of things that I did from Tony, and let led into coaching. And you do the same thing, except that you do it for groups. You do you lead groups like corporate groups and things and team building, et cetera. Um, you do ropes courses. You do all kinds of experiential things like some uh, Bill Baker we we talked about in previous guest on our show, um, used to do that for Tony, but you do it, you know, in corporates. We, I want to talk about that because I think that a lot of our listeners are curious about how they might be able to sort of do that too. I think that it's really smart for a lot of people, certainly it's been true for me, to have um, what I call multiple streams of income. You know that you don't just do coaching. You do coaching, and you do podcasts, and you do book writing, and you do this, and you do that. Um, it, I think, it's be a lot of people's pipe dream to say yes, and I do corporate trainings. You know where, where the money is. You know in corporations and that sort of thing. So how how did you do that? How do you get you um, into corporates? How do you how do you, how do you make that happen?
1: Well, yeah, non uh, kind of a non traditional uh, approach. My background, education is in electrical engineering, and so I was typically uh, happy to be working on a bench in a in a shop and not a guy who's out in front of people. And uh, and then I got involved with the Tony Robbins experience and started building my confidence. Right, because I would I would say I was a bit more introverted, um, maybe more than people realize. But it was a big stretch for me to to uh, be out in front of people. And I really got to um, exercise that muscle and being a trainer with Tony, and and he was just starting the whole training phenomenon, right? I was one of the first members of what they called the Must Team,
0: mm. which
1: was I forget what the acronym was, but um, the T was Trainer something in there, right? And uh, and we would ba- basically phone coach people who after the event we would stay in the city for a couple of weeks and phone coach. People who are participants um, after the event because you have the event, but you want to make sure it gets integrated, right? You had all this learning and it's like drinking from a fire hose. There's so much information. Uh, Sure. So we would stay in the city, and people who wanted it would be um coached. And so I was one of those folks. So that's how I got my initial start in this idea of coaching. And then I decided to do something on my own. Do I do a public events like Anthony Robbins and sell seats to share what I had to what I had learned? And I thought that's kind of a tough road, but I also learned the power of the experience from those days, right? The classic firewalk, right? The emotion is what makes the learning stick. So I thought I could take that knowledge and create corporate learning programs that were super engaging, right? And I would, Robes course would be one of them. I had contracts with schooners and in Long Island Sound and in San Francisco Bay, where you take people on gaff-masted schooners, the old sailing ships, you put 40 people on there and have to navigate from one place to another. Ah, So, I mean, I think it was um, Plato that said, all learning has an emotional base. That's 2000 years ago, right? Plato, all learning has an emotional base. So how do you take the typical boring corporate training and emotionalize it so that that learning sticks? Right. And it becomes resident, metabolized with that learner. And then it could be applied, right? Because it's within, right? It's not like, oh, a wisp of a thought that's not available when you need it. So I created a whole series of programs, uh, internal, uh, inside, because living in Connecticut, it's tough to get people on a gaff-masted schooner in February on Long Island Sound. So uh, those first couple of years, I was uh, having a hard time paying the mortgage in those winter months. So I had to develop and adapt, and like everything else, everybody's had to adapt, and with the COVID, right, I had to realize um, what worked and when, and so I had some inside workshops, outside workshops, And uh, that's how I started. And I also realized that who has the money? Corporations have money. So it's kind of like John Dillinger or whatever. Why do you rob banks? Because Bonnie and Clyde, because that's where the money is. Right. And so I thought, well, let me take what I did and shape it because a lot of what Tony's work is self leadership. Right. And so I just took that before you could lead others, you need to be able to lead yourself. Hmm. So that was kind of my entry point into corporate learning. And a lot of people weren't doing what I, Did So I had quite a unique niche uh, initially, and I liked working with groups and having an impact. I figured life is short. It's a lot shorter than we think it is, you know, and so instead of working one on one as a coach, which I think is highly valuable and you can go maybe far deeper than I could with a group of 40 people. But I what was compelling for me was to touch as many people as I could in the time that I had. And so that's how I corporations had a need. I could bring something very unique and have a high impact and touch a lot of people in a positive way. So that's, that was my decision and that's how I started my business.
0: Beautiful. Let me just close this thing. I don't know if that beeping was me or not, but I'm going to close it anyway.
1: Yeah, I heard um, it. Okay.
0: <clears throat> close tabs. Yes. Close tabs. Doo, 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 doo. Yeah. And if I talk
1: too you, like, you can go like this,
0: right? Oh, you, no, 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 no. You're doing great. And, and you <clears throat> know, the, one of the things that you and I have both done is, is um, uh, experience workshops with uh, wood breaking as the metaphor, as kind of a breakthrough experience. Um, interesting fact here, um, I was among the people that taught that to Tony Robbins many years ago. He, he was in New York City, and, and there was a chiropractor. Gosh, uh, in all fairness, I should totally remember this name because he was the guy that actually brought it. Of a, I had a photograph of me breaking wood with this, this gentleman. Um, it was a long time ago, but then Tony did it. A lot of, he got, you know, I think he got his black belt on stage with, um, were you there for that? Or no, Tony? no. It
1: wasn't Master Junior. or?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But the the breakthrough experience where you, where people break through a, a solid pine board with you know karate style wood breaking is a metaphor for breaking through their perceived limitations, right? And you've got to get yourself in state to be able to do that. I've done that workshop with um, I don't know how many hundreds of high school kids over the past thirty years, and it's been a, a wonderful thing that i've been able to do for for high schoolers in in this leadership camp in new jersey over the years um and you've done the same thing you've done that same sort of wood i don't know if the workshop is the same but the same breakthrough experience with 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 kids and groups and and scouts and things have you not
1: i can't believe we're having this conversation because i attribute my success with that program to you to me you taught Two giants, Tony Robbins and Rich Cooper. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Because I, I was looking for something I could do inside a, a, a meeting room, right? Because often here, particularly in New England, right? The weather doesn't cooperate. I can't bring people outside to have a breakthrough experience on a ropes course where they climb the pamper pole or, or different physical challenges. I needed a physical metaphor of a breakthrough getting outside your comfort zone, doing something that you don't have full confidence in your ability to execute on. And I was looking for something and we had a conversation. I don't know. It has to be close to 24 years ago, 23 years ago. And you said, Hey, I'm doing this thing down in New Jersey with these high school kids. You're willing to come down and observe. And I thought, well, that's really what I need is a model to see how it, how it, How he executes it most importantly to do it safely holistically so what is an incredibly powerful metaphor doesn't go south and 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 become a a bad memory for people right i wanted to make sure i help people do it successfully so you were generous enough i drove from connecticut all the way down to new jersey i remember it was like a a two-hour drive or two and a half hour drive to get to wherever that was i sat in i watched you do your thing and that's what gave me the certainty that i needed to bring that to corporate america oh so God. i actually came back and i taught my mom who was 67 or something at the time and she's about four and a half feet tall right <laughs> you know and i so i i used your technique i had my mom break it and i figure if i can get my mom at 67 to break a board then i can do it right so that gave me the confidence and certainty to do it so you are my model for that, my friend. Wow. And, uh, I, I, will, I don't know if it's a tribute. No to commissions me. will be paid. i just let you know. <laughs> <laughs> just let me know. Well,
0: okay. Well, I'm not going to pay you for doing this podcast. I'm going to take that.
1: <laughs> oh, hey, I got to go.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if I contribute to my age, but I can tell you that I, I, I don't remember you coming to one of those things, but that's great. That's a really great story. Thank you for reminding me of that. Well,
1: thank you. Oh,
0: it's awesome. Because that's one of the things, you know, it's so good to be able to give back. And it's so good to be able to, to to help people like this. And that's one of the things, like you said, coaching is great. I love what I do. I love coaching. I do. I love what I do. And it's also great to be able to do this with a group of people, you know, where you're doing, you know, 100 people at a time. Let's just say as a, as a number, throwing it out there. It might be more, it might be less, but, you know, a lot more than two you know it's 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 pretty awesome to have this kind of ability to 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 take it to scale to scale the scalability of the experience where you can you know really take coaching skills and you know create a program that others that you can do in a, in a group situation like that
1: but yeah well the whole idea of scaling right mm-hmm. it's it is a bit of a it is a bit of a challenge to then. How do you get when you have a certain, I would almost say artistry to be able to deliver a a very dynamic program like that? Because it's not PowerPoint slide driven. You're really kind of, it's almost like a little bit of a performance art. The challenge that I found in my business is how do you train someone to deliver it kind of with the same thing? If I build a a PowerPoint deck and these are the the 12 points I want you to, to get out of these 25 slides you can replicate that pretty easy, right? But when it's a little bit more uh, dynamic and activity-based, it's a little bit more of a challenge. But what I do like about the coaching community, the facilitator community, the, the learning and develop community is it's very generous, right? We're all helping each other. Um, it is it is a tough kind of a business, right? To, to be out in front and, and lead other people through learning and helping it be engaging. But- you learn a little bit from everybody you pick up a little tip oh i like that opening oh i like the way he asked or framed that question mm-hmm. i like how he elicited the you know the um the answers from from people right because the most if you're one on one coaching or if you're coaching with a or facilitating a group like i have done right when people solve the problems on their own and this is proven by neuroscience their brains light up if you give them the problem, nothing happens neurologically, right. yeah. a functional MRI, if you're looking right, if they solve, if you give them the answer, nothing happens, right? But their brains will light up when they solve, they have that aha on their own.
0: yeah.
1: And we're a neurochemical machine, right? When you have a new insight, there is chemicals passing down the, you know, the neurons communicate through chemicals, right? And- yeah. Right down to an ion size. Right. So we're talking a it's a quantum machine, it's a quantum mm. environment in yeah, your brain, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. When you have that that insight, now all of a sudden you are shaping at a quantum level. You are the blame, the brain is plastic and it's able to now adapt in your building, and you do it again and again, and all of a sudden you get a little neural density, and now you're changing the neural connections in someone's brain. Right. And it could be about their beliefs about themselves or how I communicate in a group or whatever the particular thing is, but coaching one-on-one or coaching in a group, it's creating the environment where they have the insights on their own.
0: Yeah. 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 And it's, yeah, you're right. The the sharing that you see with other people. I mean, I'd forgotten that I showed you how to do it was because I learned so much from watching you do it once in a corporate level. And I got, even more if I dare say this uh, with from Deborah Russell watching Deborah Russell do some uh breakthrough experiences on I think at a hospital in Queens or something, she was generous enough to let me watch her do it, and she was fantastic in, in these group group trainings, and you know sp- she 's nowhere near as old as your mother, but she's like like four foot two or something like that she's, she's <laughs> tiny <laughs> remember Deborah, but man she was co- she was dynamic on stage, and she led the, you know this whole group of people through through breaking through. And and one of the things I learned from her was to um, have people be in pairs doing this wood breaking thing. So one person was holding while the other person was breaking. In my early days of doing wood breaking, I held for the entire group of high school kids. And I must say, after a few of those kids were breaking through the wood and, and I was holding it for them, I got pretty beat up. <laughs> <laughs> for this, this one like f- high school football player or something just burst through this thing and went right into my face. I ended up with this bloody nose. It was it was bad. So I that was the last time I held wood for kids. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. and, and after that, we got safety glasses and we got you know safety protocols. But you, you do it with stacks of cinder blocks, right? So
1: well, it's because it, I learned. Yeah, you I learned. learned. I was a slow learner. <laughs> but I had a corporate event. I did this, had the same thing. I was holding no safety glasses, you know, I don't, silly. Right. And um, it was about 45 people. This is in uh, a well-known company and uh, have their global leaders coming through here. Right. And so these are all high powered men and women. Right? right. And they certainly don't want to be the one who doesn't break the board or struggles <laughs> to break the board. I, the one thing I, the guarantee I would make is everybody will get through, right? Yeah. Some people need a little bit more coaching than others. So there's no, never a failure here, right? Right? You may not get on the first or second try, which is a perfect metaphor for life because, right? Exactly. What we want always first try, right? I know. It's we correct. have to have that. It builds that resilience, you know. Okay. You don't want the CEO stuff. to be doing that,
0: right? You the, you, but you don't want the CEO to be. Going through that learning process in front of
1: his right, right, and and no, nobody wants to be the one who struggles in front of the CEO either. So they all came in, and this one one person breaks the board, and the center breaks out, and and hits me like right below the eye and cuts me open, uh-huh. right? and I'm bleeding. No, right, and they're like, "Oh my, everybody's mortified." I go, "Come on, you know, let's go." I'm all fired <laughs> up. You know, this is just a little flesh wound. You know, <laughs> and then two, three other people. Come through, boom, catches the one catches me right on my upper lip, right? So I on the other side of my face. So I got blood coming from this side. One blood coming from there. And people are like, now this he's gotta stop. This is I go, come on. You know, we got eight more people left or 12 more people left. And uh we get everybody through the group, and I'm still facilitating. I'm I have tissues, I'm holding on to my face. This is a true story right and people loved it man it was just like you know you know they must have thought i was a nut and maybe (laughs) i was operating that way but i was like not gonna let anything stop the program right man we're on this train is on the track and it is rolling right and so we get everybody through and then the head of learning and development and i who who was a big fan we circle up afterwards he's now long retired a great guy and he would just sit in the back and just shake his head at me laughing right and i go hey how many other Outside, you know, facilitators, do you bring in who actually give blood for you and your team? <laughs> so then I got safety glasses and uh, and I hold it a little bit lower. So now, so if the board does break, it hits me in the chest, you know. You
0: also have those nice stacks of cinder blocks too. So, you know. Oh,
1: yeah. And so I also use that technique when I have large groups. It a, helps facilitate goes goes through quicker. And high school kids have way too much energy. You know, uh, I also do some kind of um, work with uh, like a boy's school, uh, a Catholic boy's school. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of testosterone there at 17, 18 years old. Usually it's the senior classes before they move on to college. And uh, yeah, it's quite dangerous. So uh, I started to, and my wrists, I don't think will ever be the same uh, (laughs) from all those mishits. But, you know, live and learn and uh you know take the hits but the thing about this is just for people who are wondering
0: what the heck we're talking about is like ericksonian hypnosis erickson used hypnosis to because when you put someone into a trance and you you give them a an experience in trance it's meaningful because it's almost as good as actually having been there right if i imagine if you close your eyes and imagine yourself walking on the beach and I can do a a good job of painting the picture for you and bringing the sounds of the waves and you really put yourself there. You can feel yourself walking on the beach and it's like ah, yeah, really nice. But what's even better is actually being at a beach, you know, actually going to Hawaii or whatever and actually smelling that sweet air and listening to the waves and feeling, you know, the sand. Experiences is one step up from that you know, metaphoric experience. So when you create the experience, you know, create the metaphoric experience that you want to have people do, a breakthrough with wood or, you know, figuring out how to sail this ship from one place to another without dying or capsizing or or whatever. They have to have a visceral human experience that they will never forget. You know, they will. Will, they will never forget this thing. Walking across hot burning coals, Tony Robbins. You know, they will never forget that thing. Right? For sure. So it, it, pardon the expression with the firewalk, but it, it gets burned into their memory.
1: that uh, a boom. Yeah.
0: Thank you very much. I'm here all week. But it gets, it does, it gets, it gets registered. Yeah. They will never forget this thing. And it, and it's, it's like you said, it lights up the brain because they have to figure it out themselves. But it, it gets, it's like a story. Stories get remembered you know facts and figures you know maybe in one year or the other but stories get remembered these are stories these are human i did this story i did this experience i did this event and it's uh it's it's powerful how do you do that rich how do you how do you create these kind of programs um how did you like you know, the, the 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 thing with boats i mean where did that come from how did you create this as an experience
1: uh let me just take a step back and add to what you had just said okay the brain loves novelty when it sees something it hasn't seen before experience something then right now it now that's where the real learning happens right so when all of a sudden there's a new connection people see things from a different perspective they hadn't seen before bang the brain lights up so novelty is the key right so when you can come at something like I don't tell people get ready because next Tuesday you're going to break wood, right? And, and maybe you don't share that with the right People show up. They think it's a corporate learning event. You know, they're getting ready to learn whatever. They're thinking a slide deck from some guy. And all of a sudden, you know, three quarters of the way through the program, I pull back a black sheet that's been sitting in front of the room the whole time. And there's a stack of wood there that they need boards that they need to break through. These are one inch thick piece of wood for the people who haven't had that experience. They're pine boards. And, um, and so it is a challenge. And all of a sudden the brain goes, Oh my God, he's going to do it. He he's not going to ask me to do it. Oh yeah. I'm asking you to do it. Oh, I don't know if I can do it. Well, all of that uncertainty, all of the novelty of it. I'm I've seen kids do it at karate class. My son did it or my daughter, but I'm not going to do it. Oh yeah, you are. Right. And then it's that stretch outside the comfort zone. So the novelty of it combined with the emotions, the storm of emotions that come with faced with something that you didn't anticipate, right? The shock of that is what makes all of that come together. Yeah. And so, so to, to say, how did I come up with these things? What I do with my clients is we have a, we have a meeting, a needs analysis. We have a conversation about what do those teams or the leaders of that organization need to be successful? How do we align the business objectives and needs with the skill development that these leaders or teams need? And let's say during that conversation, we land on the concept of resilience. It's a very dynamic, disruptive business environment. The pace of change is, is very steep, and these leaders need to be able to demonstrate resilience have it for themselves, demonstrate it to their teams and be able to develop that resilience, model that resilience for their teams. So that's resilience is what we are going for. And now if I think about the traditional classroom setting that we've all been familiar with since we were in kindergarten, right? You walk into a room, there's a bunch of chairs laid out at tables. Maybe there's a pitcher of water and a glass, a cup of mints, a notepad with a logoed pen on there from the consultant, right? And and you're going to be sitting and listening to PowerPoint slides. Now, that's an environment that is so stale, so known, it will demand zero resilience out of these people. And what we're, our job, our task, our mission in learning and development is to shift those behaviors, to shift the behavior of leaders or teams to something that's more productive and aligns with the business objectives. So I'm not going to be able to get at at them under not just understanding but knowing resilience through that traditional environment. I need to, to put my experienced designer hat on and come up with something that will push them outside their comfort zone, something that will get them to actually demonstrate resilience so then we can discuss it as a group of really smart people in a room. What did that feel like? How do I have more of it? Um, what were the roadblocks to achieving it? Etc. And so, with all of that in the mix, I come up with, for example, the design for the Street Smart Leadership Challenge, where we put them on, we take leaders, we say, We're going to break you into teams of six. You're going to be on the streets of New York City. You're going to have to accomplish all of these tasks. And just as they board the bus, I take away their cash, their credit cards, their cell phones. They have a photo ID and a wristwatch if they still own one. And that's it, right? And so the shock of that, and you're familiar with that, you know, the experience that I kind of played off of that from Tony Robbins days, right, but the shock of that now we're going to be in New York City, these are all again, typically an executive level um, training, you know, that's where the top, most money gets deployed is bring, bringing those those leaders up to up to speed of the best technologies or the high potentials, the hypo, as they call them in an organization, the young up and coming um, people who show the initiative to maybe be future leaders of the organization. That's where the dollars and the resources for training and development typically get, you know, um, um, spent. Mm-hmm. So um, so all of a sudden they have the shock of now I'm going to be on the streets with, and I don't have my like my my contacts in my phone. I can't. To solve these problems i can't do that i can't use the internet i can't use you know my black corporate card to get something done no you lose all of that and all of a sudden we kick their legs out from underneath them that they've stood on their position, their ability to use the leverage of their role in the organization to get people to jump and get the things done. Now you're on the streets in New York City. You have none of that. You have no cash on you. You know, if it's a team of six, I give them six dollars, six water bottles and six snack bars and say, hey, go have a good day. Right. And they freak out. They hate me at that moment. Right. But then they have a day in the city and then, you know, no one gets hurt. No one starves to death. Right. They get through the day. And then next day we debrief. And that's really, it's the after action. If you're going to be, for any of these coaches that want to go into uh, facilitating groups, that's where the magic is. It's in that after action, after the exercise, after the experience, after the sailing, after the snowshoeing up to the mountaintop, all these crazy things that I've created. It's extracting after, and it would tie into any of those questions that you would ask a coaching client, and like, what did you learn? What showed up for you? How did, you know, how did you interact? What did you notice about the interaction on your team? You know, what did you do when you faced this challenge? Mm-hmm. And that's where the gold is. And how does and, that, and that's where, that's where I get, that's what I get paid for that piece. Well, let's, let's
0: let's let's talk more. Let's talk more about that because that is actually you're absolutely right. That's where the magic happens. That's where the the gold is. That's what you get paid for. And that's where they learn the most. So let's let's talk about that. You know because you know the, the classes I teach in sleight of mouth, as an example, there's a the structure of a belief is a if then means. There's a three part structure to any belief. There's a cause. There's an effect. And then there's the meaning that you give things. And as Tony Robbins taught both of us, you know, nothing has any meaning except for the meaning that you give it. And so one person might, you know, have an experience and go, yeah, I broke through the wood really fast. That was easy. That means I'm just a stud. You know, that's that's cool. I'm always that way. You know, and it's basically a non-learning, right? And a person who struggles mightily to get through the wood, they go, like, I'm a failure. It's like, well is that what it means or does it mean that you really persevered there and got through that and look what you did you know you might have had to you know stomp through it with your foot but you got through it didn't you you know so what does that really mean about what you're capable of you know and and you so you frame things by asking good questions and get them to extract the meaning from that so tell us more about how you do that cuz that's that's really interesting to me that's really interesting how you go about you know asking those questions in a group setting for let's take the example that you just gave us of getting a bunch of corporate, what'd you call those? Um, high pose, high
1: potential, high, high potential leaders. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, you, you, they, when the bus arrives from Connecticut in New York, say, okay, here we are. And now everybody give me your, <laughs> your wallets, <laughs> your phones and uh, we'll see you like at grand central at six. Okay. Bye now. Um, how do you debrief them the
1: next day? What, how does that work? The, so, so the best thing is that the learning doesn't come from the front of the room, meaning me, the guy speaking in front of the room, right? right. Like, like we spoke about earlier when they come to their own understanding, when they reveal to themselves that, you know, they solve their own problems, they make their own connections. Boom. Now, They own it because they say it, right? If I say it, they're going to doubt it. Who is this guy? He doesn't know my life. He doesn't know my situations. But when they say it, they own it 100%, right? Mm -hmm. The belief is 100% when they say it. And that's why it's really important to be aware of what you say to yourself. Um, You know, because we are our most believable coaches. It's true, right? Yeah. So get up in the morning. You know, I have a coach every morning. I get up in the morning. And I look into the mirror and I have a conversation with myself about my day coming, who I am, what I'm about, what I stand for, right? I look into my own eyeballs, I coach myself. The, um, um, and I think it's good to have an external coach, but we believe ourselves, right? So to go back to your point, for example, in this uh, um, New York City example, I would give them all cameras to document their accomplishments, right? The old the old style cameras mm-hmm. were, yeah user phone, right? So then they would have to get credit, right? We, and I had I would hire a team of facilitators that would run with each team and they would document and make observations and uh, we would videotape it. So there were multiple levels of documentation, not so much that people were cheap, but just so we have would have a record of of that. And then each one of those things had a dollar value, and whoever can generate the most revenue, whatever team could generate the most revenue by by this kind of like a scavenger hunt, you know, kind of minimizes it, but scavenger hunt built in there would win at the end of the thing because companies are driven for profit that, right? It, it aligned with kind of the business objectives who can who can drive the most uh, revenue. One, one time I'm debriefing, right? And it's almost a, a facilitator's nightmare. So I had, I think it was six teams in the room. So we had scores for four out of the six or five out of the six teams. And one team goes, Hey, you know, we don't, we don't have any, we didn't get any credit for any of the points because the camera you gave us was, was a piece of junk. It couldn't get it to work. We took our $6 and bought batteries and it still didn't work. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, man, I check out. I'm like, I can be very detail oriented when necessary. And I would check out every piece of equipment. I'd make sure the SD cards were clear. I did all this stuff. And in my head, I'm in front of the room now in front of 40, 550 people right and i'm um, processing this as i'm facilitating thinking man i can't believe that camera broke right and i'm trying um i'm about to answer that and I apologize for the camera not working or this or that and another team puts their hand up and they go we had the same problem and i'm thinking a second camera i mean because i you buy things in lots i've kind of bunch of junk or something what happened here right and the other team goes yeah we realize that the camera doesn't work but all we really need in that camera is the sd card because in new york city everybody's got cameras everybody's taking pictures you know this is a few years ago before phones are so uh um, um common so we just ch- take the sd card out and we would go and ask people hey um would you take a picture of us but with our SD card instead of yours. And people would go, yeah. So they just asked and they would swap out and they had all the documentation on their SD card, even though the camera didn't work. Right. So here's two teams faced the same obstacle. One team pointed their fingers at me and said, you failed us. You didn't do this. You gave us crappy things. Right. And the other team had the same issue, but they got creative and they said, all we really need is the SD card. And they got credit for everything. Right. And so now as a facilitator, I just sat back and said, it's never resources, it's resourcefulness that makes the difference. And then like the learning that happened in that group that were pissing and moaning about the fact that they got gypped on on their camera, right? It just broke their sense of possibility. I didn't do it. I created the environment, right? Mm-hmm. But now these executives are learning from each other in that debrief, right? And another, another thing is, well, how did how did the city um, respond to all these requests, right? Like people are busy in New York City. People, New York City has a reputation of being, you know, gritty and tough. And if you can make it there, you can make it everywhere. The reality of it is, people in New York City are very generous and very patient, very helpful, and and from every nation on the world, right? And um, but the world reflects part of the debrief is so how did it, how well it changed over time for them. If they went into the city, especially if they were from other countries or other parts of the United States that was not familiar, and has this preconception of New York City, right? Like they got their asses. Can I say that on this podcast? They got their. Just oh so, yeah, yes you can. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I apologize if anyone took offense, but they had their heads handed to them that first half of the day until they adjusted their approach. Mm-hmm. The people in this right, and so what would come out of that debrief is. The world is a reflection of how I show up to it, right? Yeah. My preconceptions of the world, right? So those who were familiar with New York City, loved New York City, thought New York City was the best city on the world, they had a very different experience in this thing initially than the people who were fearful of New York, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so when it comes to leading teams in an organization, to facing challenges within an organization, understanding that your preconception, right, of that issue will shape a lot about what happens moving forward.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah, that is, you know, again, as I talked with Bill Baker about uh, doing this on a personal level and a team level, um, this is what Erickson used to do with people on an individual level. Milton Erickson would tell people to go climb Squaw Peak and there'd be a special thing that you're going to learn there. But it wasn't just the experience of doing it. It was coming back to his office and talking about it you know and then saying what did you learn there what did you discover oh really is that all what else was there you know and and the question asking to to elicit the learnings from them and to make sure that it was framed and shaped in a way that it was a positive learning right there's a old expression that you you know you learn from your mistakes yeah but like what do you learn from your mistakes do you learn like i'm a dismal failure I should never have even tried this you know that would be a bad learning from your mistakes you know but you you can reframe that and say yeah I'm I'm persistent and I'm engaged and I'm resourceful and I've, I'm going to grow from my mistakes you know it's it's that it's that growth period that learning that we we always get better as you were saying earlier in the conversation you know that things will be a failure and then you you learn and you grow and there's lessons that get taught each time you have that experience you get better you get stronger or maybe that wasn't in this maybe that was in one of your 90 second i was one of your 90 second nuggets that's where i heard that i'm sorry what what rich (laughs) (laughs) I, i might not have mentioned that you do have this thing called 90 second nuggets um could you tell us about your 90 second
1: nuggets rich Please. I'll be happy to. I, <laughs> can I can I go back because I want to I want to close the loop on one thing if I can. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll take my hat off to you if you can. I'm sure
0: there are a lot of loops there. Go ahead.
1: What, no, the the loop that I want is about the good fortune I had in in my career. I do have now. My career is working with people that are you know I'm facilitating super smart people, right? MBAs from the best business schools across the world, right? And when you get a group, so the difference between individual coaching and and group coaching, because I want to keep it on, on that concept for, you know, the people who are podcast listeners. Um, the, 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 the added value that I, or the added asset that I had is I had a group of anywhere between 20 and 50 super, super smart people in a room. My job was to create a challenge, a difficulty for them that would get them outside their comfort zone, Mm -hmm. um, push them to their limits, mentally, emotionally, physically, right, to solve a problem. And then all I would do is ask a few questions. And because of the intelligence in the room, right, they were able to help each other extract meaning that would enable them to be better leaders, better team members moving forward. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I didn't have to help them with their meaning. I just guided the conversation and yeah. they helped each other. And the beauty of that is when a group of people go through an intense experience like that, it bonds them in ways that, you know, the your next door neighbor that you lived with for the last 15 years, you, you know, you just wave to him when you take the trash cans out, right? they will then move through the organization and they have allies in different parts in finance and marketing and this and that that they can always call on because they had such a shared intense experience so that was another kind of like added benefit or side benefit but when it comes to the extraction of the learning they would help each other in that process in ways that that were beyond me to be quite frank i didn't know what they needed to learn as well as as what they need that they knew right? So to go so to go back to uh, 90 second nuggets, the genesis of that. So I had the idea for delivering short little messages of great value mm, 12 years ago and I have a studio set up in my basement I have a green screen I've got the, I've got a professional camera and sound and all of that stuff set up and I would make videos and stuff for my clients and I tried 12 years ago. To to create and speak to create a 90 second thoughtful, high impact piece. And I failed miserably. I couldn't do it. I was like, you can't do this in less than three minutes or less than four and a half minutes or what I would be like, blah, 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 blah. And, and so I gave it up. But now with COVID, right? Got to be agile. Got to adapt. I had I had a lot of extra time because not a lot of people were pulling their their corporate people together to do team building with with uh, Rich, right? So uh, and I had all this resources down in my basement. So how can I redeploy that? So I sat and tried to then write something concise enough. And this was an exercise. I never considered myself a good writer. But this has been such a great discipline is to be able to write an impactful, concise point in 90 seconds. And so then I would I would rehearse it, practice it. It'd be two minutes. Then I'd have to edit words. And I found out that, you know, writing is a lot about eliminating excess words to get it on point. And so uh, so I have so I created something called and it's not easy. It's some of the hardest work I've done is to try to get that down to, but somehow it's fulfilling to me. If so, if anybody's interested, you go to 90secondnuggets.com. I have the nugget vault there. <laughs> and uh, if you don't like them, you only invest 90 seconds of your life um, listening to them, but people seem to pull and extract some good value out of it. And it's not somebody as uh, blabbering around as you're hearing me here on this uh, podcast, it's just short and concise. And something that might be just what you needed, and my hope is that someone is, there's so much doubt, uncertainty, the rise of of suicide, the the rise of people reaching to alcohol and drugs right now because of the stress and anxiety that we're living with in our society. I wanted to put something out there of value that would might be an antidote, They might just pull somebody back from the edge or just put a lift in someone's step um, throughout their day. So that was the, the point I of that. Think, they're free and they're very available, very, very- and so...
0: They're really great, actually. They're really fun. And by the way, ninety is just the numbers nine zero second nuggets dot com. Um, and yeah, they're they're fun. And you're right. I've been working with story form and telling stories, and I've got this book coming out hopefully soon called um, Storyteller's Handbook. I've taught these classes for years with Nick Camp Stories from the Outside In, where we keep things down to two minutes or keep things down to five minutes, and it's amazing. How much of you know storytelling is saying "I've got this thing that happened to me, but how do I get it down to two minutes? How do I get it down to this short thing and it's a lot about leaving stuff out you don't need and finding out you know what is the point to this story and getting to that it's it's a it's an art of you know taking stuff out that are not, it's, it's not necessary, but you get to the point and it's make, makes it just much better of a story, and your ninety second nuggets are just was fantastic. Well gosh, I could talk to you all day obviously, but I think we've gotten close to the end of our time together here today, Rich Cooper. Thank you so much for being here with us and sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom. It's been fantastic.
1: Well, that went really quick and yeah, I I agree. I could speak to you for a long time and I, and I really appreciate the privilege of speaking with you and your audience and I want to thank you for the, your contributions to to me personally and and you know, and my career and my success and, and your dear friend. And I wish you continued success as well. And maybe there'll be a chance for us to circle back up again. And, uh, hopefully soon we'll be able to sit outside and, and have a beer in the warm weather, uh, free of any fear of, uh, infection. The light is at the end of the tunnel and
0: it's getting closer every day. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you want any more information about today's show, please visit our website at www.essentialcoachingskills.com. Be sure to tune in again next week for our next episode and discover even more about the systems and the secrets that set the best apart.